Well, 113 years, the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, has been leading the movement for change and full rights for African Americans in the United States, from fighting lynchings following its founding to presenting the case for desegregating America's schools in the 1950s to partnering with Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. in the civil rights movement of the 60s and 70s. The NAACP has constantly fought for equality for African Americans. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. Now, in 2020, the NAACP finds itself adapting to the new movement for change arising from the actions of a younger generation. Black Lives Matter, defund the police, or the current rallying cries. However, working to make the real change necessary within the system will be organizations like the NAACP. The president of the chapter in Aurora, Colorado, is Mr. Omar Montgomery. You know, the original intent of Black Lives Matter was definitely to um, address the concerns of police abuse um, and the death of um, unarmed African Americans that were being murdered by the police department. That was the original intent of the uh, concept of Black Lives Matter. I believe that um, hashtag Black Lives Matter still fits that original definition of looking at the inequities in law enforcement that has resulted in the death of um, people like um, uh, Aubrey, people like Elijah McClain, um, our sister out there in um, Louisville, Kentucky, and, and her name is slipping me right now, Brianna Taylor. And it still applied to those situations today because those situations are still happening. The concept, Black Lives Matter, when you separate it into three words and take the hashtag off, meaning mm-hmm. that we're looking at the holistic life of black people. We're looking at environmental injustice. We're looking at economic injustice. We're looking at poverty. We're looking at systemic racism. We're looking at all the things that have impacted um, black people since arrived since slavery, post-slavery, and to where we're at today. So right. to me, they both um, resonate with many of the topics that we're talking about. But to me, hashtag Black Lives Matter is more of the relationship with law enforcement and Black Lives Matter is the holistic being of black people and the um, things they have to face here in the United States today. So that's probably the better way of interpreting it is in that everything that African Americans are in, uh, having to deal with today and have been, the wider application of Black Lives Matter says, hey, we have a lot more to work on than just the police department. I would agree. I mean, you have um, our black queer and trans um, group that are being targeted by different hate groups as well, and, and some of them are being murdered that people are not talking about. We're talking about missing black women across the country that doesn't get no poli- uh, that doesn't get that, that doesn't get no publicity. We're talking about the homeless. So if we, we want to talk about something right here in our own backyard. We're talking about in Aurora, Colorado, where we have the MLK Library with a um, statue of Martin Luther King, but it's also where the majority of our homeless sleep. So if we're talking about addressing Black Lives Matter, then we have to begin to look at every single thing that impacts the black community, and we have to be intentional 
about not just bringing it to the press and um, and protesting and things of this nature, but make sure that we are in position to be a voice at the table to create systemic change. Uh, similarly, defund the police. That started as a rallying cry as well. And um, that's turned into many communities are scared that its literal meaning is they think that it's eliminating police departments. Uh, what meaning or insight does the NAACP apply to defund the police? Well, defunding the police was, we have to understand, for people who've had a bad encounter with law enforcement and more than one bad encounter with law enforcement, such as myself, there is some um, resentment in regards to how um, law enforcement is done in certain communities, how policing is done in certain communities. Uh, it seems like the concept of being a peacekeeper is not in some of the um, uh, some of the law enforcement agencies. We, you know, you used to see that little emblem on some of the police cars that you know we're peace officers. Well, there wasn't right. a whole lot of peace in underserved communities. So the response is hey, maybe we need to defund them and put them in other, and put them the economic resource in other areas. Maybe we can look at some different wording. Maybe we can look at it as maybe restructuring the budget so that we can begin to look at a broader approach to law enforcement and peacekeeping. And I don't look at it as when I hear defund the police that they're talking about totally doing away with law enforcement agencies. Now, right. there are people I know who are in um, these different arenas who feel like law enforcement need to change totally, that we need to defund the police and take the militaristic aspect out of it and figure out something we can do different so that mm -hmm. you won't have people um, being murdered or people feeling like there's an abuse of power. So there is a contingency of people who truly believe that. But for me, I think we need to restructure um, the funding of police, but we also need to restructure the mindset. We need to restructure the training. We need to restructure anything that makes it seem like there's a us-against-them mentality when it comes to law enforcement instead of, the, uh, instead, of us, instead of us looking at it as, we're all a part of law enforcement and peacekeeping, and we're all working together to keep our communities safe. Until we get to a model like that, we're going to continue to have some of the things that are taking place today. That brings up uh, what kind of long-term effect do you think the police accountability legislation and law that was passed uh, just before the, the session ended, what kind of effect is that really going to have? Uh, you, you think the department's really going to take it seriously and, and try to uh, uh, apply its meaning and its intent, or maybe with some of the other ones, uh, well, it's on the books, but we're not going to respect it? I think, you know, Senate Bill 217, I think um, it depends on if this is a police office, if this is a police agency that recognize that nationally, there is an outcry that we need to change how we look at policing in general. If this is an agency that feels like there, well, there are no problems, we don't have no problems, and um, we're going to keep um, doing business as usual, then chances are that's going to be an agency that's going to do what they can to circumvent the provisions. And that um, I think the state of Colorado, since we're one of the leading states 
within the country that have taken provisions like this to address law enforcement that we can be a model for the rest of the country so that we can eliminate these senseless shootings, we can eliminate abuse of power, so that we can have community trust in our law enforcement, and so that we all feel like when we, when we see a police officer that that person is there with good intent and not a person that's there that's going to abuse their power and make the situation worse. Is there some things you would have liked to have seen been included in that bill, which were not, because many times the first time a law is passed, it's the general reaction consensus, and then they have to go back and strengthen it or put some other things in that were left out or some changes like that. Are there some things the NAACP would like to have had in it, and so maybe next year if they revisit it again, uh, it could be added? I think as the bill is written, it covers a lot of areas. I think it's yeah. where, where, I, where I want to see the change is not so much at the state level, but local municipalities um, making a commitment through their council, through their um, police department, saying that this is going to be the law of the land in how we police. This is going to guide our training. This is going to guide our new policies. This is going to guide how we orientate new police officers coming to the force. This is going to guide how we do professional development with our existing police department. Is We can have all the different policies and laws on the book, but the people who are charged with implementing these laws and policies, they have to do it with the intent for change. So at the state level, I think they've done their job. Now it's up to local municipalities and local law enforcement agencies, county agencies, and state law enforcement agencies to make a commitment to adopt what the state has done so that we all could be on the same page and we all could feel safe in the state of Colorado. You know, when you're saying about all, you know, for a lot of communities to work on change, it's going to take all sectors of the community to do it. Now, you know, I mean, frankly speaking, uh, a lot of conservatives are quite happy to support policing uh, taking place just the way it is. So how do we get them to the table so that that change that we're all talking about can be effective and put into place so that it really does have a, a positive uh, direction and some positive results. I want, to, if you don't mind me changing the question a little bit, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I would like to take the term Republican and conservatives out and change it to that there's individuals, because I've run across some conservatives and some Republicans who are very much in support of what is taking place. I okay. think we have some individuals who are truly just locked in and feel like this is an anti-policing legislation, and that's far from the case. It is the fact that we need to build community trust, and the only way you're going to be able to do that is if there's transparency, if there's accountability, and if there's some type of oversight to address those officers who abuse their power, to address those officers who have gotten away with uh, negatively impacting people's lives with false arrests, um, false police reports, and yeah. abusing their power. So that's, it's just one part to talk about police killings and police shootings. What about those police officers 
who has given someone um, some type of charge that they didn't deserve because they got into a verbal altercation with that person. So right. these are the types of things that um, we need to change internally. And I know that there are some conservatives and some Republicans who believe that change needed to happen. They support it. And I think I think they'll go on record supporting it. But more importantly, it's going to be them rank-and-file officers to adopt what is taking place if we want to see real change. We probably were observant to see that with the demonstrators out in the streets, they are pretty multicultural, you know, <laughs> um, and probably uh, a lot more Anglo because of Denver than you see in most, most other communities there. Um, I know we had a lot of white and Anglo allies for the civil rights movement, but for some reason, this group seems to be entirely different, with an entirely different feel. It's got to be exciting for the NAACP to see and to perhaps look forward to working with. Um, you know, for people who know the history of the NAACP, diversity is its backbone. Diversity was how we found were founded. It was white and blacks coming together as part of the founding members of the NAACP. With that stated, right. the mission was to address the issues that were taking place in, in black America. We understand that the term color, during that time period, when we talk about the um, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, we were talking about black people during that time period. So what was taking place during that time period was lynchings, was issues with law enforcement, issues with our prison system, and issues with education. What are we talking about um, over 100 years later? Policing, poverty, education, all those same things. And guess what? We're still seeing people who are not black, who are not African-American, who see the inequities that are taking place and that have taken place over the years, who feel comfortable to let their voice be heard and in some cases feel comfortable enough to lead in the march. But this is not the first time. We have to also remember that during the civil rights marches, there were white people on the front lines. During the, um, when they were doing the bus desegregation and right. they were, the, the Freedom Rides, that was, um, it was diversity on those buses as well. We have to remember during the 60s that our um, Latinx brothers and sisters, African Americans and blacks, our um, Puerto Rican brothers and sisters, our American Indian, Native American brothers and sisters, all came together during the 60s to address inequity. Mr. Omar Montgomery, president of the Aurora chapter of the NAACP, is our guest on this edition. Our focus is interpreting the meaning for the ongoing demonstrations in our city streets and what happens next after they end. Our insightful conversation continues on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. And many thanks to you, too, for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.